everybody. How you doing out there? Welcome to the Elephant Room. This is our fourth episode. Yeah. And man, I'm ready to get deep, 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 deep into this topic. I want to thank those of you who've come into the room already, Dre and Kinte, to Carter and uh, Taylor, who's listening in on the side, Sybil. Um, so all, all of the people that are going to be coming into the room, we'll try to every now and then give some shout outs to those who came in. But um, this topic is kind of like an accumulation of all of the things that we've been talking about throughout the month. And we began with the, you know, our it's an identity series, basically. And we've tried to figure out who, who we were in terms of our geographic location and some of the historical references to um, where we've been as a people. We went into um, the different masks and respectability politics that we put on in order to navigate. So it's kind of like, who are the selves that we wear? Mm -hmm. And so now we're in the series of self-awareness and spirituality, it, co it coincides with that. Idea. So now we're in the series of what we want to do right now. Oh, somebody else has joined us, um, Curtis, okay. So what we want to do is um, start the conversation by basically asking those of you in the room who are either on the screen or in the in the sidelines. Mm -hmm. um, you want to start with something? Well, That's right? okay, you go first. You, you know what? Like a lot of people call this um elephant room, but yes, my name is Elephant. Her name is Room. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my name is uh, Mike Truth the Nomad, <laughs> aka Boogie McCab, but you guys could call me Boogie. And this beautiful lady next to me, what is your name? My name is L.A. Wade. Okay. Boom. Welcome to the elephant room. But, um... <laughs> okay. So what you wanted to say, you said something about Tupac. So um, actually, the, um, one of my favorite artists is um, Tupac Shakur, and he has a very profound um, track called Who Do You Believe In? And that track for me is just basically like, it spoke so much volume to me as to who do I believe in? And then that led me to the next sequence as to why do I believe what I believe? And I think today, like, that's the essence of basically, like, uh, of this conversation to try to, to try to basically make individuals understand why do you believe, like, what you believe, if it, if it could get to that point. So I think um, without further ado, they feel basically. <laughs> okay. My question is, first of all, what, what does religion mean to you? I'm going to ask you, Dre. What does mean? Um, and if you want to share a bit of your past, it might shed some light on possibly Woogie's, right. you know, question. <clears throat> all right. So um, I'm, a, I'm a Christian and what people would label as a, a Christian. Um, I was a, a pastor, full-time assistant pastor for 10 years. Um, I didn't grow up in the church. Um, I wound up becoming a Christian at 17. Um, and um, uh, when I, you know, got saved, I started to... to uh, read the Bible a little bit more. Had a lot of questions. Wound up going to Bible college, um, and uh, wound up landing a, a position as a, an assistant pastor, running the youth and family ministries at the church. And um, I'm not no longer operating as a, a, a full time pastor. I am still an ordained minister, but um, I uh, don't pastor anymore. Uh, I got divorced, and uh, divorce in a lot of church denominations is seen as a bad thing. And with uh, many denominations, if a pastor or somebody that serves in that role gets a divorce, they'll have to step down from the position. So I was asked to resign. And uh, um, since then, I've been 
teaching, but still living out my faith, but I've been living it out a little bit differently. And uh, to add to that question, what is religion to me? So I, I've been on uh, sort of a different side. Um, I've seen um, what people see as a, the leadership side of church and religion, and then just being who I am as a, a believer in, in God and Christ. Hey, so, um, hey, what's up, Dr. Vibe? So religion to me has become more of uh, me serving God through serving people. Um, religion, so, so people have an issue with religion. Yeah. And I don't necessarily have an issue with religion anymore. I remember when I was, a, a, when I was active, preaching every week and stuff like that, I would always talk about how bad religion was and how people needed a, a relationship. Um, re religion isn't a, a bad thing. How we view religion in Western civilization today is definitely a bad thing because a lot of times we see religion as what God can do for me. Really what religion truly is, if you read um, the scriptures, it's it really talks more about what you can do for others. Right. So, sure. so when I, um, the Bible says that true and un, um, true undefiled religion is going to see, go, going to feed the hungry, to visit the, the sick and the afflicted, to take care of the widows. So religion is, is really um, not something that you do in church on Sundays when you're singing and listen to the pastor preach. Religion is something that you're living out in service to other people. Mm. And uh, so when I see religion, that's how I see it now. So I don't, I, so that makes sense. So I don't see religion as what I, what I do ritualistically to, to grow in my faith. I see religion as what I'm doing outward to be a, a help and a blessing to other people. So you've made a clear distinction between religion and spirituality. Yeah. It seems, and it seems yeah. like spirituality is filled with service. Mm -hmm. And it comes from a different place than what you were doing as a pastor, which would be more ritualistic. Yeah. Is that correct? Very true. Yep. Yeah. What about you, Kinte? Uh, what is your, you know, what does religion mean to you? Or is it more of a spirituality for you? I mean, I do believe there's a difference between spirituality and religion. Um, I grew up uh, in the church. Um, my, my grandfather was a pastor. Uh, I was one of those kids who went to church like three or four times a week uh, in the choir and all of that kind of stuff. And uh, my mother is very devout. My father wa wasn't, uh, I mean, he was, you know, he had been baptized as a kid, but he wasn't really like a religious guy, you know? Um, uh, not, he wasn't an atheist, but he just wasn't about all that. And um, so I had different, you know, different <laughs> polarizing uh, views of uh, religion uh, coming up. Uh, when I got became a teenager, I really moved away from the church, and um, not that I didn't believe, it was just that I didn't see value into going to church every Sunday, right? So, um, and as and it's pretty much been the same way as an adult, um, except for you know if there's like a major event or something like that, I do support my family and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, my feeling about religion, especially as it is with when it comes to black people, is that religion in a lot of ways have been great for us as far as, you know, uh, uh, in like the civil rights movement. Uh, it was a lot of the black church was very instrumental in helping um, with all of that and 
and whatnot, and even going back to slavery, but also religion has also been used to colonize us and to mentally uh, keep us in bondage as well. So it's like this thing where on one hand, you can point to a lot of positives that it's done for our people. And then, you know, and that, that iconic imagery of the white Jesus has been used to oppress us as well. So as a, especially as a black male, it's a, it's a weird thing to grapple with, you know, um, religion and the way that it is, especially in the United States. Um, so I just want to follow you down that, that rabbit hole of as a black man. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you qualified it as a black man. What? As a, as a black male, um, the idea of the iconic imagery of the white Jesus that's in most black churches, um, you know, you see this image and, you know, it's been used to keep us in a mental bondage, you know? So, um, seeing that, that imagery and really trying to grapple with the, the positives and the negatives that it is, uh, has effect on our community is something that I think a, that a lot of us go through, especially those who are woke. So, uh, <laughs> you know. I feel like the elephant in the room with what you're saying is, can we still believe in Jesus um, after, after we recognize that he was utilized as a reason to separate us? Can we still recognize the value of what Christ taught without um, putting a racial, because of the way he was depicted and what it was used for <coughs> to break us down as people? Is there still value in Christ for I, black people? I, I believe so. I believe so. But, you know, it just, I guess it, it, it comes to the way that you view your faith and the way that you um, the, practice it. Um I think it's possible, but it's so hard because the way that it's set up is not necessarily, I think, beneficial in that way to do that. So it's, you know, it's a strange thing. And I'm glad that um, Dre is here because, you know, being, you know, someone uh, uh, who, you know, a a minister and whatnot, um, it'd be really good to hear his thoughts on on that and i'm sure that he's thought about what i'm talking about you know many times so it'd be good to get some good insight from him from that okay, point so of view just before that happens i just want to um i'm going to unlock the room so if somebody wants to take another seat they can come in and grab that spot also fax is dying to jump in fax is in the studio with us so he's going to speak to that question, because he, he wants to say something to what Kinte was just sharing. The voice of God. <laughs> He's going to kind of come from this area. You'll hear his voice. Yeah. Um, but he usually drops knowledge, so it's all good. Go ahead, Fax. So I just want to say something that you, as African people, we recognize that we were given an economic, social structure that was meant to keep us in a state of oppression and submission. And yet we have this idea that we were given a religion that was meant to uplift us while all this was happening. To me, this is the epitome of nonsense. And I'm sorry to come off so strong, but I have very strong opinions on this because as uh, one of you just mentioned a little while ago, um, you know, there's this, you know, 
things sitting on subconscious, right? This this visual, this avatar. Jesus has become sort of a visual avatar of a white male to whom I am to give my worship and devotion. And in the end, my hope is to go to heaven where this white male <laughs> is going to, in some way, deliver me from the pain and suffering of the white males that happen to be on this planet. <laughs> this, to me, is the beginning of a mental fiction that we inflict on children in Sunday school, which leads to a complete disassociative uh, uh, conundrum for any grown adult. There's no way you can rectify that, that you can make rationalize this and make this make sense. But we do this and you know, it's, it's become the norm. So whatever, it, it is what it is at this point. Well, like I want to, I mean, guys. Um, <laughs> you have something to say, Boogie? Yeah, actually. Okay. Um, if you guys know, the bigger the bigger elephant that's going on here is the fact that, so it's always Christianity that, that we're basically tackling. And for us as people of color, there's so many different like belief systems out there that you got people that actually practice uh, what we call Ifa or, or Voodoo or Adro when you're from Ghana and everything. And constantly, I, I always wonder why is it is, is the Christianity that comes to the... Um, to the top of the stool with the burner when whenever we talk about our belief system and stuff like well, that. Well, first of all, you just mentioned voodoo. How many people kind of like swallowed hard because that of what that is supposed to be associated with? These are this is a part of colonizing our minds around the things that were a part of how our culture was in Africa. But the demonization of that, how does that land in your body? And if you're not sure how that lands for you then it might mean, it might be pointing to the direction that we have a lot more work to do in terms of understanding who we are or where we came from. But I don't want to take away from what you were saying. No, but my whole point is that that conversation is, is always geared towards Jesus and then either the color of Jesus or what what, what it is that Jesus represents. Which, and it goes beyond, it, it goes beyond just Jesus. I mean, it's the whole, it's, it's, it's acceptance of, those 66 books, the way that they're laid out and the acceptance of that narrative and that story, right? And so what what we we have a tendency, like I, you know, for instance, the black Hebrew Israelites, those folks that, um, you know, you see them on the street corner making a whole bunch of noise and saying a bunch of nonsense. You have to talk loud. <laughs> like, can you yeah. hear him? Oh, no, yeah. I hear him good. He's good. All right, so, so what I was saying is, we are trying to glom onto a story, a narrative that has very little to do with us. As a black man, I'm a dis who has come here by means of uh, my ancestors' slavery. I am I am a West African, specifically Ghanaian. I know this, right? So instead of trying to uh, uh, associate with a Jewish story, which is really what the Bible is, okay, a Euro European, you know, by the time they get into the New Testament and they're, you know, the fact they're in the Roman Empire and so on and so forth, right? But rather than trying to glom onto their story. I find it much more attractive personally to be engaged in trying to understand sort of the philosophy and the background of my story. Mm. Under no circumstances do I, I'm, and again, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to come off being too harsh. Even the Luciferian, I'm, I, I knew a person who was a Luciferian. He said some things to me that were, that it were profound, uh, that sounded almost Buddhist. So my point being is that in every religion and in every doctrine, there's some wisdom, right? So that there's some wisdom in Christianity or that Jesus said certain things that, or ascribed to him that that made sense. That's all good. 
but should I take that on now as a part of my core identity? For me personally, I say no, because it's it's in it's in too much conflict. The white European Jesus is in too much conflict with me as a black man, right? May, may, may I interject to that? Please yeah. do. So um, I, I would like to just recommend, if people can, I know it's going to be difficult to stop looking at. Uh, let's say let's let's just say let's stop looking at the message that Jesus had through Western optics. Mm. Because if you if you're looking at if you're looking at Jesus. And you say that you can't really accept that because of um because remember the, the colonialism started almost a, you know uh, a millennial after you know the events that jesus that was recorded about jesus mm -hmm. so jesus jesus itself is against everything that the colonialists did by uprooting africans out of africa bringing them here that was all manipulation and the thing is we look at we look at what, and the thing is, we have to start somewhere. Okay, and, well, what if there's a disagreement with that fact? If we start from there, if there's a disagreement with the fact that the Jewish people, let's look at the Bible as it is, right? The establishment of of the of the descendants of Jacob in Palestine was a colonialist adventure to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. Started by whom? Moses, Joshua, right? The very heart and the justification of slavery within the Bible comes from that colonialist. Uh, 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 um, uh, exercise, and so even still, even today, the 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 recolonization of Palestine by Jewish people has it, uh, the justification for it is right there in the Bible, right? Slavery, the justification for it is right there in the Bible. Slaves, love your masters, right? Obey your masters. So all of that was already was was formative to the Scripture. I'm not even just talking about Jesus. I'm talking about the whole entire. Scripture, the whole entire book. As I said, my issues with the whole 66 books. So it's formative to the whole notion. And so how do you divorce that? I can now cherry pick, if I choose, a couple of nice phrases from this, the book of John here and the book of Matthew there and say, okay, well, and I can make a big thing of it. Or, but but there's that requires what? Cognitive dissonance. Because I have to now divorce that from the fact that slavery, um, pedophilia, rape, murder, all of those things are advocated by, depending on how you look at it, Jesus earlier on in the book when he was the father. But then, oh, wait a second, he's not the father because he's the son. Oh, wait a second, you know, no, I'm not, I'm not going through that nonsense. So again, I don't mean to come off too harsh, but I just think that we have to be, again, to avoid that cognitive dissonance and to have a very real moment with ourselves about, was this thing given to us to uplift us? Or was it given to us as a means of suppressing, uh, it, us. suppressing us, intimidation, and, and keeping us down? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I again, you, you can you can make positive out of it. I'm not saying that you can't, because mm -hmm. there's a lot of phenomenal people that I know in my own family, mother being one of them, Christians, great, beautiful people. I'm not making it about that. I'm not making a judgment on any individual, but I'm just making a judgment on the system and what was its initial intentions? You know, you know, one of my big issues with religion is it doesn't it doesn't have you think about things um, critically. Um, it basically it makes you go off of faith, so you don't look at things critically. So a lot of times when you even bring up stuff, certain things that don't make sense to Christians, they put their fingers in their ears and go, la, 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 you know, they don't want to even, they don't even want to have a discussion about it because the yeah. mere discussion of it is blasphemy. 
So I think that is something that for those who who are trying to make sense of everything, it's a turnoff because it's like, okay, I have some real questions about, you know, uh, if we're using Christianity in this instance about it. Um, like, you know, if people who think critically are like, this doesn't make sense to me, this, you know, uh, you don't really have those conversations a lot of times. It's, it just, it is. Well, um, I was interrupted before, but I just wanted to clarify something. If I, Mm -hmm. If I may, yeah, go ahead. I, I was referring to starting off from where we were with the Western colonialization and how um, they twisted um, that faith and how um, in in Europe and in America, we view Christianity from a, a Western lens. But when you go into other places, other countries uh, like Northern Africa, um, the, the um, Arabian Peninsula, they see it much differently than how we see it. So what we, what we, what it's almost hard not to look at Christianity from the Western perspective because it's been pushed so hard and we've been pulled down because of it. But if we go, and, so if we start there and begin to unpack, we see that um, Jesus, well, let me, and again, I know what um, he was saying about um, the Israel, Israel and the Jewish people have some definite uh, points to it. And if I could unpack that also, that's okay. I'm not going to be too long because I, I know this isn't just about Christianity. It's about all. But the, Jesus himself uh, was raised in the um, Arabian Peninsula. He has nothing to do with Europe. He's not white. But when Christianity began to spread into Europe and then it became popular in Rome with um, Constantine, then it became more of a European type of religion, and it wasn't always that way. In fact, Christians in the very beginning for the first 230 years were outlawed and killed for their faith. Mm -hmm. So how we see Christianity today as being um, the white man prosperous religion, it wasn't always that way. If I was a Christian back, you know, in the, you know, in the early uh, century of Christianity, I would have been outlawed. I would have been chased. I would have been um, probably killed. All right. And uh, and I wanted to um, ask questions about the the rape thing. I, I don't ever remember s the Bible validating rape. Numbers 28. Mm. Number 28. I'll research that. Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly sure on that. I may have to. Mm. Um, it, it is when the um, I believe it's the Amorites. God commands Moses to uh, attack the Amorites and um, kill all the men, take all the women. Who have not had, uh, who have not been with anybody, mm -hmm. um, all the virgins essentially, including children, and essentially divide them amongst the soldiers. Hmm. That's so interesting. But to the Dre's point, well, you want to acknowledge the lovely yes. lady in the room? Welcome yeah. to the room, Monica. It's really funny. You said Numbers twenty-eight, and I whipped out my Bible. Like, all right, let me let me dust Girl, this thing. You ain't lying. Down. I'm on it. <laughs> Oh, okay. Reading, I'll find you, as I said, I'll find you the right scripture. Oh, okay. See, the the good thing here um, that um, Taylor said, Taylor said that he didn't mention the context. So, like, um, I mean, and, and that's one thing about the Bible too. Um, so basically, <clears throat> when you're reading something, you got to know the context as to <clears throat> what 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 is being nope. written. I'll find now, so, yeah. Go the, ahead. The, sorry. We look at the Bible as uh, like a, a religious document. Mm -hmm. The Bible actually it was was written by people as a historical 
document. It's not just religious. Um, yes, there's some laws there, and the Constitution in the United States has laws. Every country have a set of laws. When um, Israel was started, they, they, it was started to be um, uh, a, theo a theocratic type of government system where God was essence, in essence, was in charge. Therefore, the Ten Commandments and the Book of the Law came out because God was to rule the people. So, um, so we we look at the Bible and we think automatically the Bible is a list of rules. It's religious command that we need to live by, but we forget the fact that there's also historical docu um, you know, historical events that happened in the past, and we tend to forget that. Like the Bible has a lot of history as well in it. But I'm looking for that scripture. Uh, Bax just wanted to uh, clarify and say it was in Numbers 31. 31. That he's yeah, Numbers 31, where uh, Moses attacks the Midianites uh, as an act of revenge. Mm -hmm. Because one other, uh, other angle that I like to explore, and it kind of goes along with what Dre's saying for me. Like, why is it that the villainization of Christianity is so prevalent in society? For me, um, from being from an African background, being born in Ghana, and I was, as I was saying earlier in the early conversation, so uh, my grandfather, he, he, he practiced um, what people call voodoo, like really hard voodoo. And my grandmother, she was like a very devout Christian. This from my, my mom's side. And for me, in, in growing up, so when my grandfather died and then my grandmother died, there was a lot of deaths that were like occurring in my family, I think around 95, 96. And everybody was attrib attributing that to um, this shrine being in, in my mom's home and everything. And for me, in un they basically like understanding that I was aware, okay, there's this, I believe in spirituality. So I was, I was aware that there's two forces here that at play. There's one that's obviously for life and one that's obviously going for, for death. So for me, when I, um, for some reason, the connection for me, when I look a bit, a bit further, I'm like, okay, so the idea of Jesus Christ is supposed to, for me, represent something that is liberational, like someone who came to die for my sins and whatnot. So that story, like for me, I drive with that. Somebody basically coming to, like, you know, help me out. Now, the representation of Jesus Christ being a white face or like, like whatever color it is, that for me is, is an aspect that was put into like into a man's opinion to basically further like cause the divide within my thinking because mm -hmm. it, it, when i look at other um basically like um beliefs like in islam like nowhere you're going to find a representation of muhammad like no image of muhammad and there's a reason for that like the reason is that it doesn't create that this confusion as to oh because muhammad does not look like me or he looks like this person I'm not going to follow the teachings because when you follow the teachings, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Now there's a story. So the Bible, yes, the as you're saying, it's a historic um, document. Now within it, there's a story of an individual who's who's basically playing a role in there. So for me, when you look at Jesus in the story of the Bible, yes, there's going to be a, a lot of things where. I mean, you could see rape or whatever it is that they, they, they say. It's telling about the facts, events that, that occurred during that time. And when I follow Jesus, I look at Jesus and like the the example that he said. So it's, like, it's got to really be cautious. Okay. I just want to address the whole rape situation. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So what fact is talking about is found in Numbers 31, 17 to 18. Mm. 
And basically, what I don't know the context, so I can't give you the full context, but it does say, now kill all the boys and kill every woman who slept with a man, but save for yourselves every girl who has never slept with a man. Mm. So I guess um, you may want to clarify how you understood that, what, what context and what you understand about that. So here's the thing with religion, right? So events happen, and what we do is we ascribe the, the, the author of it as divine or as human. Those, that's the choice we have. So we have a choice, an event happened. At some point, the people who consider themselves Israelites, members of these 12 tribes, went into this area and there was a war. So we, right, so that's a historical fact, okay? We'll assume that that's the case. So we have two things that we can believe. Either A, God commanded for these people to go and do that, or they chose to do it because they wanted to do a land grab. Okay. We have to, in context also, um, it was a matter of revenge or vengeance. So something had had happened prior to that. Right. Okay. okay. Right. So they, they didn't, from what it looks like, they didn't just go win to take it. It looks like there was a, a incident before where the Midianites attacked them and they went to go take vengeance right. or retaliate. Right. So, but essentially the act of, it was sort yes. of, a, so it, it was retaliatory. However, the initial move was theirs because they were the ones who invaded the land to begin with. Right. So whether it would be the Amorites, the Jebusites, the the uh, Midianites in this instance, and the list goes on and on of all the different tribes that lived in that area, which we now call Palestine, a.k.a. Israel, those people were all um, um, domesticated in that area long before the, what we now consider Jewish people invaded that land. Okay, so that's just a part of the historical record, hence why they walked around in a circle for 40 years after they left Sinai, a.k.a. Uh, uh, Egypt, right? So well, I think so prior so back um, further on into um um Exodus um even, and, and actually toward the end of Genesis they they lived there first and after the famine they went to Egypt and that's where uh, many of the the Jews went and they lived and when they increased in number numbers the Egyptians made them slaves so after where do which, we black people well, uh, give me a, give me one second so after this, the well, actually, we, we can connect that because, in essence, they weren't advocating slavery either. They were looking to liberate themselves from the very bondage of the Egyptians. So after they left Egypt, they were looking to go back to where they were initially. But when they got there, they saw that there were people there. Now, I, I agree. I, I, I don't agree with everything that's in the Bible. I don't understand why they couldn't just go there and seek to assimilate with one another and, and live peaceably with one another. That I don't understand. I, I don't and I, I don't have an answer to that. But I um but just in what you were saying what you were saying, facts. Initially, um the the twelve was there first, and then they went to Egypt, and then after they became slaves in Egypt, they wanted to return back to where they came from. And when they got there, people were already there. People but now Joseph was the first I don't want to make this a whole Bible study here, but <laughs> Joseph was the first. Was okay. So you have, a, a, um, and, you know, it's been a little while, so you, I'm a bit rusty on my Bible, but I can get up to speed. But Joseph is the one who ends up going into Egypt and calling for his family. So we're talking about one family in specific that now goes. So from that area, so one family who goes into Egypt and eventually they populate the area. And let's go even further back to the beginning of this. Essentially. Where is uh, 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 Jacob from, or Israel, the original 
is from Ur of the Chaldees, which is in Babylon. These are essentially Babylonian people. They're actually Iraqis. So they shouldn't even be there. They migrated and they use the, they, the, the, they come through Israel, yes, migrate into uh, uh, um, Egypt, and during their sojourn there, find themselves in a state of bondage, allegedly. There's no historical record of this that we can find. The Egyptians were very meticulous about record keeping. There is literally no record of this. But anyways, we won't get into that. Bottom line is, at some point, these people feel that it is their 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 right, their divine right, to return back to this land, which we again now call Israel. Hmm. The, the young lady asked a very, very pertinent and relevant question, which is this. How does any of this relate to me as a West African? It doesn't. But I can continue on with the story and I can focus on somebody else's narrative and somebody else's story if I want, right? As much as we could focus on the story of Buddha, which is also a very compelling and interesting story, right? Um, or name any other religion you'd like to. But again, if, if the main point is, how does any of this relate to us? Yes, there are many moral lessons. I've already said that within the Bible. But if we are to believe that Jesus is either A, God, or B, speaks for God, then this murder that happens in Numbers 31 was authorized and ordained by God, a.k.a. Jesus, at some point. So if there's a cognitive dissonance between who this individual is and how he felt between this span of 2,500 years, there's a moral inconsistency. Because now we would find it reprehensible if somebody said to us, yeah, go kill a bunch of those boys and let's go rape some of them girls. No one would be cosigning that, much less worshiping that. But this is what people are expecting me to believe. I choose not to. That's all. I'm a, I, I don't know if that's what the religion is calling for you to do. <laughs> but, but it did call. The major part that you're missing is that this at, at the end it was still retaliating. They were taking vengeance, and that's a, a, a big part that we're missing. Here. But so yeah, 2500, and that's fine. But then, but then, 2500 years later, you say turn the other cheek. So we got to know how we're how we're doing. Now, this. Okay, wait, wait, okay. wait. So Anika, what did you want to say? Yeah. I was gonna say that what I know of God is that. He isn't supposed to always be like dandelions and lollipops. You know, there was destruction that he had to do, like in the Bible and stuff like that. So I guess, like, um, what the pastors, what what you're saying, Jay, makes sense because um, it was vengeance, and like you know, in the Bible it says, you know, God seeks vengeance, but we're not supposed to. Mm. But you so know what, though, I, I but I I do understand what facts are saying. A lot of times we go into the Bible, we read it, or any religious document that we think is religious, we read it and we don't ask pertinent questions. We don't ask, well, why did this happen? What's going on? And um, I think that's important. But that's a good point, Anika. Can I ask a question? Just from a, from a moral standpoint, should we turn the other cheek or should we take vengeance? Vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say it didn't even matter. <laughs> All right, this question. Because you know what actually really upsets me now that we're having this discussion? Mm -hmm. The fact that, yeah, like in elementary school and in school, you know, you hear about voodoo and like it's the only thing I knew about oh. African spirituality and everyone's like, you know, I guess like, you know, it's it's obviously demonized and looked at as like crazy and so it came to a point where i was just like so are my ancestors all evil you know what i mean mm -hmm. like that was kind of the narrative that was being told to me that my ancestors are are evil <laughs> and if i were to embrace them in any way i would be attaching myself to like 
all this negativity. Mm. I just, I, I literally just uploaded a video to my YouTube channel, my son, um, about, um, about parents not telling their kids to hit back, right? Because in essence, that's vengeance, right? The problem with that, the hitting back initially, is when we teach people that it's okay to hit back, we don't assess properly what happened in the first place. Third grade mm -hmm. teacher, right? I've broken up so many fights between two kids, right? Where uh, they they would be in like, for instance, they would be in line walking, right? And somebody would accidentally bump into another student, and that student would push him back. And then when I asked them why it was an accident, they would tell me. My mom said that I need to hit them back if they hit me. And I said, well, it was a mistake. Like you can't, you have to assess the situation. Now I, to like me personally, facts, um, I don't ascribe to vengeance, nor do I ascribe to turn the other cheek. I ascribe to, I'm about to guard myself, assess the situation. And if I have to, I'm going to defend me, my family, my, my property and everything that I love. But the motive behind vengeance is very self-fulfilling. So then I would ask, what are you looking at? What are you, what are you avenging? Like, what, what is it that you're trying to avenge when you're looking to have revenge? You know, am I saying turn the other cheek? Absolutely not. But, um, you know, but I would say- But it teaches. And I think that's the part that we're trying to get at is mm -hmm. as black people who have come from enslaved enslavement, when we get the narrative to turn the other cheek, um, however many times, in order to be seen with favor in the eyes of our creator. What does that narrative do to black people in terms of being able to move forward? What, how can we even think about retaliation or vengeance in relation to understanding ourselves as being understanding or sympathetic to the person who oppressed us? Is it, is it, is it a, can I ask a question? Is it a, useful, is it a useful device that if I had a group of people who by all rights might be a little bit, let's say pissed off, Right? If would it be useful for me to create a sense of docility in them so that they just remain calm or they felt like their reward was in the hereafter so they didn't take up arms yeah. against me right now? Mm -hmm. Can I say something? If it's just me, I would probably do that. I'd probably say, you know what, submission and turning the other cheek is probably the highest uh, 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 form of morality. And it, it's desirable to behave that way. In fact, if I was a Roman emperor who was constructing the Bible, what I would do is I'd make sure that a lot of those verses ended up in there. That's what I would do, <laughs> right? Yeah, facts is about the elephant in the room. <laughs> hey, can I, can, yeah, I, uh, can I take a moment? Um, we're also broadcasting on Periscope as well, and I wanted to give a shout out to the people Big on Periscope. Periscope. Uh, I, I see Wes Hill is in there as well as CD uh, Sicarlo. Um, hopefully, I, hopefully I said the name right. Um, anybody else that's uh, there, feel free to uh, get your questions in and I will relay them to the group. Shannon. Thank you. Mm. Hey, Shannon. Yes, and, and then if you guys want to give a quick shout out to the people in, uh, in uh, Get Vocal. Okay, the people in the room, you can read them through. Um, so um, shout out Carter, uh, Tony Davis, Taylor, Luke, Ulysses, uh, Rad, Frazier, Chocolate fruit. <laughs> Shannon. Chocolate hey. fruit. Yeah, yeah. Chocolate the conversation. Chocolate. So like chocolate fruit. One thing is that I'm trying to do is like, in, in the realm of like um like spiritual understanding of, of self. Because like for me now, like it goes from religion to spirituality. Because religion, when you look at the base of that word, um, 
in Latin is religar, which is basically um, like re bondage. Basically, it, 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 it's a bondage. It, it's a word that describes bonding yourself to something, to a set of rules, a set of laws, and everything. So, when you look at it, like slavery and enslavement, religion would be like a tool that's used and principles that are used to enslave people. Now, for me, as, a, as, as an individual, as I'm growing, <laughs> yes, dictionary, please. So as I'm growing up, so um, one thing that I'm becoming more and more aware of is my spiritual connection to my creator and like um, the concepts of like the, the greater energy all around me and how it manifests. And I'm seeing these same principles basically being touched on on Christianity, Islam, um, even people who practice uh, basically what is known as Ifa or Wudun and everything. The whole purpose is to connect to the highest source. And I think that in, fo in focusing on uh, which religion is right or which ideology is right, that's what's keeping us basically in a mindset as to, first of all, um, like the fine, exactly, the division aspect of it. So it's like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh, it's, okay. I think she was just oh, affirming oh, you. Oh, <laughs> so it's like, yes. Me? Yeah, yeah, I thought you were saying something up there. What was the blank? Oh, yeah. So it's like, in finding that, that you have to basically look beyond, like, all these different, um, like, set of beliefs. Like, you as an individual, on your journey, is like, what are you uh, uncovering? What are you discovering about yourself? Because... If I'm trained to think that if my ancestors, so my grandfather, him acquiring that shrine, that is basically like what was causing like all these deaths in my in my family, then okay, cool, I can basically uh, what you call it, I could um, believe that Vudun is like something that's bad and whatnot. But there's like there, there, there's a specific role to it. I mean, there's like there's something there where it's like him as an individual, he felt that. In order for him to belong or prosper, he needed to submit to like natural forces, which is basically these shrines that he would do these offerings to, and hey, he would get a lot more um, oranges or whatnot for his farm. But it's like in doing that, if it is true that people in my family were dying because of that, then okay for me, then I'm like okay, I, I can't follow that path. Like I think the actual issue here, it becomes between religion and spirituality and like what that represents for you as the, as the individual. But not only what it represents for you as an individual, mm. what does it represent for you as a black individual who's walking through oppression day to day? Do we have the privilege of understanding ourselves outside of just religion? And how do we operate our spirituality within the idea that we are being oppressed and that there's a system in place for us to, you know, if we take Maslow's um, hierarchy mm -hmm. of needs, how do we get to self-actualization when our basic mm -hmm. needs are always impacted by um, the things that we are choosing to believe or not believe in? I know that you're right. about to say something. <coughs> go ahead, go mm -hmm. ahead. Well, that's what I was saying. Like That's why we have to remove that Western lens from our optics when we look mm -hmm. at spirituality. That's mm -hmm. and The thing is, like in America, everything yeah. is black and white. I don't, no way, no way you cut it. Everything from religion to um, communities to politics, everything is black and white. But um, spirituality, and because and of the not dominance. Not only why is it, but what do we do in relation to our self-actualization as a result of it, in spite of it? 
That, all right, oh, it wasn't rhetorical, but oh, <laughs> I, I guess you, you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, once you do that, then you'll be able to see things a little bit more clearly. Um, we, there's, it, and it's hard to. It's, it's very hard to. Um, you know, years and years and years of oppression. Um, today, us not knowing our true identity and where we come from, many of us. I just recently took a DNA test, hoping to get it back soon. It can tell me the region that I live in in Africa. But, you know, I, my, my roots was cut. Like I was, you know, I was, I don't know where in Africa my family is from. Um, so there's a lot of- play into what you're experiencing now as a person living in Brooklyn? If you know that, what are yeah. you going to change about yourself that you wouldn't change Thank anyway you. because you're just evolving as a spiritual being? What, wouldn't I change? Yeah, would you or would you not feel the need to? Because I mean- mm -hmm. You got to however old you are right now, Pretty not knowing. Mm -hmm. And so now you're at this stage in your life where you have continued to evolve as a human being um, spiritually. And so mm -hmm. now having that piece of information of knowing where in Africa you come from, what is it, how is that going to inform you differently about how you experience your, the rest of your life, I guess? It, it, it wouldn't inform me or, or motivate me to do anything differently right now. The knowledge itself would be pleasing for me. So it wouldn't like change anything right now or the direction that I'm going in. You, it would, would just knowing would, would help me out. Okay. I, I just I, want to acknowledge, sorry, just want to acknowledge Tony just saying hi. Fax yeah, is going to say something. Hey, and what's then, going on? So, hey, just give us a second while Fax is about to say something and then we'll get back to what you were going to say. I, I was just going to interject that humans have a desire for belonging mm -hmm. and and significance and knowing your story gives you a place right the, 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 the a great issue with with uh, uh, Africans in the diaspora is the uh, the lack of connection to a physical place I mean if you think about it let's go back to the whole context of the Bible or even to to the same extent with Islam mm -hmm. it's all about a very terrestrial experience yeah right that Israel is a physical place right? Everything in there is about geography, really, right? Uh, um, is, is same thing with Islam. Like a lot of the events, a lot of the, the story, the narrative is very connected to the land. We are people displaced from our land. And so therefore, always in, always in a journey trying to find a sense of connection. And as I said earlier on, when I mentioned the whole thing with the, the Black Hebrew Israelites, they have glommed onto a story, somebody else's story, that has a lot of similarities with us in terms of the 400 years and all the rest of this country. So, and the whole idea of slavery and of people that were oppressed and they have sort of bent history in order to make it work for them. My point, my simple point before I just, I'll say this one last thing. My simple point being is that it, it's disingenuous. It's, although it may be fulfilling on some level, it's also disingenuous to find out a story that's not yours and make it yours. Okay. Focus on your story. I just want to pause. Tony, I'm going to ask you if you could just step out of the room for a second. And okay. Damon, Damon, only if you're able to come in and address something that Fax just said mm -hmm. in regards to uh, Israelites gleaming onto somebody else's story and that it's not their story. Um, if you don't feel comfortable, you can just type in the comments and I can read them out. Oh, okay. Um, Damon, if you could grab that spot, if you feel comfortable, praise God. <laughs> um, welcome to How's everybody doing? Welcome, Damon. Thank you for logging in. And I hey, just, I don't know if everyone knows who the hell that is, but that's a big deal right there. That's a CFL Hall of Famer. NFL, CFL. 
all the same old quarterback. quarterback. Mm-hmm. How's it going? Arm extraordinaire. How's um, everybody doing? We're awesome. good. We're doing well. I just, as soon as he said that, I was like, Damon is going to be, yes. he, his head is going to explode right now. <laughs> and so I just wanted you to address um, something that Fax said that I, it struck me as interesting when he said that um, the Israelites were gleaming onto somebody else's story and that it's not really about them. Well, the most difficult thing is we get caught up in uh, religion and um, when we talk about the, the Bible, Bible has its own doctrine as itself. Religion, Christianity, um, Islam, and the different religions that are out there, they have their own doctrine. And the fact that when you talk about the children of the Israel, it's not a religion. It's a lifestyle. It's a, it's a physical people. And, you know, I understood what, what Tony um not tony was it tony tony was saying yes uh, i understand what he was saying but when you think of the the word of god and the laws and the people that um he was dealing with even if you think of because it's so often it doesn't matter you know who, who the children of israel are but it really does matter because it's only one people on this uh, doesn't doesn't know their history, and even in schools, they doesn't teach beyond slavery. Like who were we before slavery? And so, a lot of the questions that we're dealing with, uh, to a greater understanding and knowledge, has a lot to do with understanding who we are as a people. Yeah. And even if you look at it on a, a historical basis, where many people of color, blood and skin who've been placed in all these different lands and been colonized by all these different uh, uh, European uh, countries, then you have to question um, it fits with the prophecies in scripture to the T, the people they're talking about uh, in scripture are melanated people. Um, so for me, um, it really comes down to once I started to really search um, beyond who I am, and started to figure out who I am, uh, truth started to come to light for me. And in the same time as, you know, I'm from America. They call us Blacks. Well, Blacks is not a landmass or nationality. And so I had to really research, like, who am I beyond the color Black? Right. Or who are you beyond uh, the profile of Jamaica, Trinidad, and all the different nations that were, were these names were given to us. If we go beyond that, and, and actually if we go, you know, according to scripture, which it talks about the law being the truth, the word of God being the truth, and uh, then you start to come with a different light, different understanding, and um, a sense of who you are. Uh, yeah. And truth to come. And, and that's what's happened. You know, we we as a in this world, we start to believe the lie and the truth is false. <laughs> because when you start telling <laughs> truth, someone gets upset when you start giving truth. Right. I this nation, Israelite nation, is growing because it talks about in Isaiah that the spirit of God will start to come on his people. That's why that there's a growth there, because 
they're being obedient to scripture and we're starting to come to our fullness of who we are. And when we start coming back to the laws, it's changed your whole life. Okay, I just want to your mention mentality and how you see the world. Okay, Damon, I just want to um, highlight what Ulysses had to say in the in the comments. Ulysses. 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 Um, he is saying, uh, people keep making comments and I can't get it. Greetings, everyone. My question is, how do we use the positive messages from the Bible or any other religious writings and don't, oh man, it went away again. Um, and don't and don't get caught up into the divisiveness purposes of religion specifically for our black people. This is actually something that the Elephant Room TV posted about um, when we were asking the question, we have you know, the nation of Islam, we have the Hebrew Israelites, we have the Black Panthers, we have Christians, we have Kemetic spirituality. We have all of these different things. And how do we, the question becomes, what would it do to get rid of these divisions amongst us so that we can work together? Um, and I don't know if that's something that uh, anybody in the room wants mm -hmm. to even seek to address. And I know, Tony, you had something you wanted to say about slavery from before. Yeah, basically all I was wanting to say, and I'm just using this from, from um, a biblical perspective, I have had some biblical uh, Bible college and a lot of personal studies. The term slavery in the Bible, uh, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, is based upon Hebrew law. And Hebrew law pretty much, and, and I've said this in the comments a few times, Hebrew law basically um, is based upon servitude. And meaning that that a person chooses to be a service to someone else, it's an accepted choice by by the person. Um, now, somehow in history, I don't know how exactly the term slavery has become uh, a term of ownership. I own you, that or you know you you do a service for me because I own you. Um, so that's pretty much all I wanted to say is. In the Bible, that's basically what it was. It was based upon servitude. Somebody chose under a contract to say, okay, I'll be your slave for such and such amount of time to do whatever. I understand what you're saying, Tony. I do want to chime in real quick. Um, they end to Dre's point. American slavery was not that. It was not a choice to yeah. basically, um, go into. Nor Roman slavery. Like, no, 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 no Roman slavery. It was not about no, absolutely. Sorry, we couldn't hear you, Damon. So I was saying, what what's the definition of that slavery <laughs> in your Hebrew law? That's well, Hebrew law is based upon servitude, so it's basically a choice by somebody saying, "Okay, I will I will gladly, or under circumstances, serve you for a certain amount of time." Or a period of time, or the rest mm -hmm. of my life, it depended on on the circumstances or whatever, or whatever was going. Just to say, okay, okay I'll be your servant, and I'll, I'll so, gladly do so. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Back just wants to say something. Hold on, go ahead. Hagar was a slave of uh, my Bible Bible fans. Give me who's who, Jacob, um, Hagar, Abraham, 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 right? Abraham. That was uh, that. The, the notion that that was a consensual relationship is debatable, but that's just one example of a female slave at that time, right? But the idea, slaves, as 
through throughout all of history are byproducts of they come by means of debt or warfare. The idea mm -hmm. of uh, the idea of an individual willfully just sauntering up to a group of individuals and saying, "Hey, I wouldn't mind working for y'all for free." Uh, I don't know how historically accurate that is. Just putting that out there. Like, if it's not through debt, and in fact, that's when we talk about jubilees in the Bible. Yeah, uh, it, there's many references to letting our slaves. Uh, you know, in the context of the Hebrews who who had slaves letting them free or letting them letting their debts expire on the year of jubilee right mm. so so yeah. that that connects the whole idea of debt or warfare as being the impetus for them arriving into slavery it wasn't just a choice it's never been a historical choice furthermore you also bear with me i want to say one other thing you also have to consider the context you're looking the israel the israelites are israelites through many different societies egyptian babylonian assyrian greek roman and so the context of slavery changes in each one of those situations. So you, you can't just say, well, in the Bible times, people also have this tendency of saying in Bible times, Bible times is 4,500 years. We, we, <laughs> we, it's, there's, you know, we got to keep things in the proper context. Yeah. Damon, what were you going to say? Well, I was saying that uh, according to um, Deuteronomy 28, uh, 1 through 68, it talks about uh, the children of Israel not uh keeping the laws and what will will happen to them and so yeah we have different uh, oh, your, your phone's uh, breaking up your, your connection's breaking up definitions of, of slave the slave what doing and so what kind of that would that be in in slavery being a choice or or the most high God putting the children into slavery due to the fact of their disobedience and not keeping the laws. Right. And yeah. who, they, who would fit those people today? Because you have to understand the Bible, um, which I believe in, uh, it talks about the 18 nations. So the descendants of the children of Israel are still on this earth today. And who are they? There's 12 tribes. Who are there those 12, 12 and a half. Yeah, there were 12 and a half. That's the really. biggest question. Yeah. That's the biggest question. Who are they today? Well, a lot, of, a lot of it was a lot of it was uh, uh, based upon um, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, cleanliness, uh, how to keep yourself clean, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there was some biblical basis upon that about about, you know, uh, making sure that somebody was clean, healthy, um, uh, how people could interact with each other. Uh, there was a little bit of basis upon that, but still, it, it's been warped and screwed, skewed very badly through the years. Okay, what, were you gonna... what proof do you have that it was, it was screwed? Well, well, it's been warped and skewed so much to the fact we're, we're where we are today as a as a nation as a society and even a world um you know even religion in general is kind of warped and skewed because you know it's like well what's the one religion we need to deal with um and and that kind of stuff it, it it's really hard to deal with it. It, it but when you come to think of you know in my opinion and this is my opinion a lot of people agree with this all religions are pretty much all the same anyway. That's what I think. They're just using different terms and facts and terminologies and 
and different things. I think what we're, talking, we're not talking about religion. But, we're talking about but, a lifestyle. But I yeah, think, I mean, Tony, I think but, there's a difference between religion and spirituality, and maybe possibly what the the gist of it is supposed to help you get to. So in that yeah. sense, maybe all religions is supposed to get you to a state of consciousness um, that is specific to that how that religion creates a way. For Christians, it's it's Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and there's different ways for different religions. Um, and consciousness is very different than what we're talking about in, in, the, in the sense that Black people are having an experience, a human experience yeah. in this world that is impacting their ability to get to their con their state of consciousness um, because mm -hmm. they're competing upon their ability to connect with themselves because we are geographically scattered and not sure what to, to trust in. We are, um, are, we are taking religion that we've believed in our whole lives have been taken and perverted, perverted and retold to us in a different way. Other people have claimed possibly what is our yeah. our religion and have ascribed it to themselves and have even adopted a landmass mm -hmm. that may not be theirs. So there's many different aspects and this talk is specifically about how black identity is impacted by our spiritual walks and how those yeah. different spiritual walks keep us separated and even further from getting to where we need to be in terms of our consciousness. Because if Balak is supposed to be who we are, then how does that speak to the Israelite, the Christian, the Muslim, the Buddhist, all of the different black people that are jumping on to whatever they think aligns mm -hmm. for the atheism, for whatever belief and, and is- Which I already said, them. black is not a, a nationality or um, anything that comes with the nationality also has a landmass. So right. But all of those I know I'm not black. I'm something else. Mm. Well, Malcolm told us that. Malcolm was trying to go in front of the United Nations to ensure that that, that case was pleaded on the, in, in international court. Found himself with a bullet, several bullets <laughs> riddled in his body mere months later. Right? So, yeah, you're not black. Mm. You're an African. Mm. Wake up. Not, I'm not saying that to you specifically, but to just all of us in general. Mm. You know, wear that title with pride. You know what I mean? A European is a European. He wears that title with pride and, and, and should. An Asian is an Asian. Wears that title with pride and should. And yes, we've been divorced from our land, but... Is there a breakup? Is everybody silent? <laughs> no, no. No, no, no. Just listen. Can you not hear Fax talking? Can you not hear me? Yes, I hear him. Uh, I hear him. Yeah. My, my, if, my point is this, is that, you know, to, to what L.A. just said, here's but the I, thing. You know, I must say it, it is a very interesting topic and it's... Um, can you hear me? You know, you can always learn whatever topic that you go through and, and see. Are you here? Thank you, you or the world in which we see. And I just know when you read the scriptures, it, it shows that the children of Israel was um, yeah. a nation that was given the laws, statutes and commandments. And we're the ones who taught about the most high. We taught the other nations. And now we live in a nation uh, in a world which the Gentile nation is teaching the children of Israel. Hmm. And according mm -hmm. to scripture, it was never like that. Damon, so, can you hear? Damon, can you hear when Fax starts talking to you? It's been switched. It's the Gentiles that are teaching. Really not. That's a no. That would be a no. That's a hard no. <laughs> I think there's. Yeah, a I hear. I hear Fax. Um, but I mean, pretty much just what I want to just say this real quick for hop off. You know, because religion and because of spirituality has been so warped and skewed, all nationalities have been warped and skewed. I would say the blacks 
probably the most. So that's, yeah. So anyway, let me hop off. Let me let somebody else in. Okay. And, uh, just, Thanks, Tony. So. Can you just finish what you were saying, though? Because it was really important. Can Damon oh. hear? Um, Damon, can you hear? Hello? Okay. Uh, can you hear? I don't know. Damon, can you, you hear, hear us? Can you hear? I think he's frozen. Yeah, Damon he's frozen. frozen. Okay, so don't worry. Right. Damon, if you come out where, where, and come where's back the rest on. Of uh, uh, no, anyone can grab that la that spot and come in and have this conversation. Um, Kinte, well, coming on. <laughs> okay, there we go. Kinte, can you come in and talk about what's happening on Periscope? Because um, you were saying that mm -hmm. it's popping, and I'm dying to know what people are saying over there. Okay, hey, I'm I'm back, people. Okay, uh, no Periscope. There's a lot of people on Periscope, and um, they seem to be very engaged into the uh, program. Um, let me see. Okay, where is the uh, um, uh, we have uh, about uh, grab uh, the spot if you want, Taylor. Oh, uh, Damon, yeah, I'm gonna hop out so someone can someone else can come in. I'm just thanks, Nika. thank you for joining joining. Yeah, Nika, it was nice to see. Thank you. Nice. Okay, okay, yeah, it's popping on uh, on here. Okay, go ahead, Kinte. Okay, so oh, shoot, where is uh, oh, okay. Somebody wrote, uh, we are the Moors. That's our nationality. Um, uh, people are kind of re responding to it exactly in real time what people were saying, but we have a lot of people in here and they are, uh, look to be very excited about the conversation. So if anybody on Periscope has any more things to say, please, uh, relay it to us and we will make sure that your voices will be heard. Right. Uh, welcome, Taylor. I think you're Taylor. Yeah. Taylor, you just muted himself. Oh, there you go. Oh, is that Taylor? <laughs> yes, I did because I was kind of quiet. What's up, everybody? Hello, hello. Hey. What's cracking? Big up. What did you want to share with us? <sighs> okay. Um, it was just so much to talk about. Uh, first, I just I really appreciate the broadcast, and it's good to see everybody coming out talking and such. And um, I really just enjoy these types of conversations. But um, I guess I'll say the one thing I'll say one thing and then I'll get off because I know I know probably a lot of people want to make a rotation. Um, when it comes to the whole the slavery thing, and you know I saw uh, Ulysses' uh, statement saying, "How can we as black people uh, find anything positive out of the scriptures?" Um, I never I didn't go to no seminary or anything like that, but um, I've just been in a really intense study of the Bible for for many years or whatever and I don't, I don't expect for that to hold any weight but just want to say that's how i came across an understanding um or the understanding that i have right now and when it comes to the whole black white or nationality thing or ethnicity issue um i feel that most people don't really understand the story of the bible you know, you may, it was someone said earlier, you know, it's not just like a list of rules is written in the form of a story. And one of the most uncomfortable things that's been happening for me is I'm amazed by how many people just don't really know the story. Right. And it's not a problem to me. That's ignorance and ignorance is not problematic. Right. It's well, not right. But arrogant ignorance become a, becomes a problem to me. You know, it's like if you don't know it, then OK, just kind of learn about it. But. When it comes to the whole black white issue 
the story of Christ. And I, I was asking earlier, what is the message of Christ? The, the story of the Bible is really pointing to something that's like out of this world. You know, this has nothing to do with political power or, you know, no longer being a slave or becoming rich. Right. It's like the story, the message of Christ, the whole message of the Bible is talking about people actually living forever. Right. And, and in the Old Testament, um, there was harsh treatment of people that were Gentiles, right, or people that were not Israelites or not Jews. And I think a lot of times we want for, you know, the Bible to, to be all about inclusivity or, or uh, you know, just everybody all coming together. But the harsh reality is there are two types of people in the world. Now, this is opinion, so forgive me. Take it with a grain of salt, right? Mm -hmm. There are people who love good. And there are people who love evil. Yes, yes. Those two people can be in any ethnicity group. Mm. All right. There's 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 black people who love evil. There's white. Well, not black, but African American. I like that statement when a guy yeah. said, you know, black is not. It's no landmass. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So I get that. But just for the sake of the conversation, I'm making it quick. Um, there's black people who are evil or who love evil. There's black people who love good. There's white people who love evil. There's white people who love good. Same for Asian, any other ethnicity that you can think of. The message of Christ is talking about people having life forever with God, right? And the those two groups of people, the people who love good and the people who love evil, are ultimately separated by God and not by man. You know, so the the, the message of turn the other cheek is not just turn the other cheek because that's the uh moralistically speaking right or proper thing to do but it's it's as a believer having an expectation that god is coming or rather that divine justice is coming that god will serve divine justice so i'm not turning my other cheek because that's the moral thing to do i'm turning the other other cheek because i'm considering my citizenship in the kingdom of heaven or with what god was talking about you know and and i don't think it's, it's just like what dre said you know it all depends on the context you know, if you come here to take my property or take my life and I feel threatened, I'm thinking about my children, I'm thinking about my wife, I can't promise you that I'm not going to put a hot one in you. I just can't promise that, you know? I, yeah. I wish that I could say that I wouldn't because, I, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, no, but anyway. we actually did, um, Fat spoke to that a little earlier when he was saying, you know, how are we supposed to not retaliate? And they're teaching us to turn the other cheek. I don't know if you want to just speak to that, what you were saying earlier, facts, mm. just a little louder so people can hear you. So, yeah, I mean, the thing is, Chris, I look at religion as a device, like it's a device that can contain a moral lesson, an economic structure. It can, it, it's, it's multifaceted, right? Um, and the, the key thing is, what is the messaging? What is the branding, right? If I says to a people, listen, I say to myself, I need to keep these people docile. I need to keep these people calm. I need to keep these people in a non-retaliatory state. What I'm going to do is I'm going to push aspects of the doctrine, whether it's true or not. I'm going to push aspects of the doctrine that lead to that type of behavior. Then I'm going to associate that type of uh, uh, doctrine and those ideas. I'm going to ascribe them to a God. Because once the, as they say, once the policeman is in your head, I don't need to police you. Right. So if you are in a state of, wait a second, my my gifts are in the hereafter because I'm going to keep calm and I'm not, not going to retaliate against my whether it be master, whether it be government, whatever the case may be. And keep in mind the irony of it 
is that Jesus is probably one of the most revolutionary uh, uh, heads of a religion because he literally goes to the uh, to, to Jerusalem and beats the bankers whilst uh, cussing out the Pharisees and the government. So by any measure, he's a revolutionary figure. But we're supposed Absolutely. to, right? We're supposed to not focus on that. We're just supposed to focus on the turn the other cheek, stay calm, love slaves, love your masters, and all this other nonsense. So, <laughs> you know, that's 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 that, so that's what Christianity teaches. That's yeah, what Christianity teaches. That, that's what that and if you just let reclassify that, that's what this device teaches. It's a it's a men, it's a div, a control device. That's all. Oh yeah. my I've often thought about that. I've often thought about that. Um, you know, like some sort of device, whatever. And the only thing I I just feel like there is a general impression of Christianity, and then. It's actually like what's going on and what it's talking about, you know. Um, and as as far as like that statement, I don't really have a rebuttal for that, you know. As saying like it's some sort of device to get to keep people docile, you know, so that possessions can be taken or whatnot. And the only thing I can say is like as I, as I read the story, it just doesn't come across like that, you know, because it's the the message of Christ. Christ is saying to a rich person, love your neighbor. He's saying to a poor a poor person also, love your neighbor. Right. He's saying to uh, a slave, love your neighbor. Right. He's also saying to a slave master, love your neighbor. And your neighbor just happens to, you know, for a slave master, a slave is a neighbor. You understand? It's just, yeah, it's, it's, a, just it's not that. The story, the story of Jesus is to me the story of a political and uh, a social revolutionary who has a, a, a very profound and unique message. And it's almost it's like you take this story and you put it in the middle of a bunch of nonsense. I don't know how to put it. But the rest of the story, the re like from the, the, the back end of the front end, have no connection whatsoever with this story of Jesus. But what they've done now is they've used that device, which is a great moral uh, rubric, a great moral uh, set of uh, uh, instructions, and placed it in the middle of a lot of uh, immoral behavior. And coming, I mean, meaning God oversees and, and supports and, and, and uh, co-signs a lot of immoral behavior. Right, he essentially behaves like a petulant child for two thousand years, and all of a sudden Jesus is born, and then we have right. this moral standard. But then I'm supposed to believe that this God that acts like a petulant child and Jesus are the same person, or they associate with each other? Nonsense. I don't know. I, I, don't, even, I don't think I have a lot of fans in this conversation, but I'm just putting it out there. I'm just, I'm just being myself. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I say something real quick? You, you know what else you can be? I, I just want to highlight what um, Lucy was saying. Uh, religion as a system structure is used to suppress our minds so they can control us better. And having many forms of religion is also a divisive tool. Because now we're fighting each other instead of focusing on the real fight. Because you know what the reality is? You, you, can I, I just want to say one last thing. I may shut up after this for the rest of the day. <laughs> you know what the reality is? That through all the centuries that all these things have been going on, since the beginning of the agrarian age, the vast majority of people live in a state of want and a, a talented one or a, a greedy, I should say, 1% through all the age, through all these different societies has maintained themselves with a path of luxury and given us the promise about what happens in the hereafter. So they live in the luxury in the now and give us the promise of later. I don't buy it. But that's, I mean, if, if that's, and, and my, I, I feel like the biggest thing is for each and every person to just pay attention to your conscience. You know what I'm saying? Like if the message of Christ comes across in that type of way, I wouldn't try to change a person's mind. You know, you know what I mean? 
It's just the only thing I can say is it's bigger than that to say, you know, I'm going to tell you that you can have prizes in the here and after so that I can take you right now. It's just it's so much bigger than that, because to me, as, as you live life, you know, well, depending on what you go through, you'll see just how unimportant many things that we feel is extremely important, important, just falls off in the face of death, you know, in the face of sickness. You know, it's just that's just reality. Like we are, the thing that we all have to deal with is death. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, but I understand. Uh, oh, one last one other thing that I want to say. This is about slavery, right? This might sound weird, but some years back, I came across. I was I had a mechanic friend, and long story short, he called jumper cables slave cables. I don't know if y'all ever heard of that before. I don't know if that was real country, but if if y'all know any old mechanics, talk to a mechanic and just you know ask him about jumper cables. Another, another, the original term, you can look it up on whatever, in dictionary, whatever, slave cables is the term for jumper cables. And I just want to present or offer this notion of thought, right? Slavery is the relationship between the powerless and the powerful. Nice. I, I don't fully agree with what Tony was saying earlier, but Tony was saying some things that caught my attention. The guy who said that, um, you know, slavery, it was according to Hebraic law or something like that. I don't, I don't know about that. I'm not going to say that it was consensual, but I'm going to say that in the scriptures, a lot of people like to say, oh, God said that slavery was okay, right? But God actually commanded proper treatment of slaves. It wasn't the slavery that was experienced or, or the, the history of America. It wasn't that, right? But I just want to present the, the notion of it. Take it with a grain of salt. It wasn't that kind of slavery at all. It wasn't that kind of slavery. But slavery is the relationship between the powerless and the powerful. Right, evil people are going to make that relationship the way that they make it. Right, and another. I'm, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to let somebody go ahead talk. I was That's another thing is when it comes to um, just the the whole big scheme of things. Right, remember I mentioned that the two types of people. We never want to talk about the harsh reality of uh, the fact that there is a such thing as evil. Maybe you don't want to call it evil, right? But if someone breaks into your house, you have children and your wife or whatever, or children and a husband, whatever, whatever, and that person has come to to rob you, kill you, or whatever, that person is a is an enemy, right? And terrestrially speaking, on this earth, the only way to deal with that person is either his life or your life, right? It's either his ways or your ways. And honestly, what I see in the scripture is uh, the understanding of of man of, of man and civilization is progressing, right? Where a long time before, or let's say before either before in uh in the old testament days, people were strictly associated by who their family was, where they were from, and what those people did. Right? This is what the Medianites do. This is what the Amorites do, right? This is where even in the New Testament you still see that when he said uh uh uh, this man is a Cretan, and all Cretans are liars. I don't know if anybody, any Bible scholars, if you're familiar with what I'm talking about. But what Christ ushers in is saying that the difference is not uh, what what differentiates people is not just their culture or where they're from or their family, right? It's actually the spirit of God that's impressing upon people. And there's a whole chapter, two chapters actually, in New Testament, Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 11, where it's dealing with this subject that most Christians are very uncomfortable with. Right. And that is, listen, just like in, in this world right now, we you have murderers, rapists and all types of people that you have to deal with. 
And we're not saying to hold hand. You, you, anyone who has lost someone, a child to gun violence or had a daughter that got raped, you're not trying to sit there and hold hands and sing, sing kumbaya with this person, especially when they show no sort of remorse or concern about what they did, right? And it's the same reaction that God has to uh, gentilic behavior, if you will. You know what I'm saying? So I would just say, just check out Romans chapter 9. It's a scripture that said, I don't know if you saw in the comments I put, it's the potter and the clay. It's an ugly reality. The scriptures teach us that it's, it offers the notion that God created man for his purposes, right? So a lot of people, they want to say, as soon as it's good, they want to say, oh, that's from God. As soon as it's evil, they want to say, oh, that's from the devil. When the scriptures themselves teach that good and evil comes from God, right? But God is using that evil to, to, to teach a message and to, to, to uh, uh, make himself known, to make certain things known, if you will. And there is harsh treatment of people who are not, who do not have the spirit of God in them by God not by his servants, not by his people. So that's why it's like, turn the other cheek, right? It's like, it's this impression saying, vengeance is, my, I'm going to get that person. That's not for you to do. You understand? That's, that's God's saying that to, to people who believe in him. And a person who has accepted this message of eternal life doesn't feel that I got to save my life. I, I got to, it's got it's to be my life or your life. You get what I'm saying? So that's it. I don't want to talk too much. Um, Just a quick question too. Um... Because this is a question that comes up for me personally as well. I've always kind of wondered. So, and Dre brought it up. No, Ulysses brought it up. Who wrote the Bible? Like that, just that question alone for me was a very, very powerful question for me because. Well, Dre is saying he didn't write the Bible, but had his scriptures no. translated with his input. Okay. Have you got but then Ulysses you asked about who wrote who wrote the Bible. And are you uh, talking about King James Version? Damon, yeah, uh, your input, please. It was uh, King James that authorized, and he used 70 Hebrew scholars to, to write the Bible because he, you know, I think I would believe that because he was a servant of the Most High, that he knew that his people would be speaking English in, in the future as well. So that's why it was written from uh, Hebrew and Greek to English because this same people are speaking English today. Can I, can I throw an idea out here? Yeah. 325 AD, there was a council by uh, Constantine That's where right. he wanted to, uh, how should I say, uh, uh, yeah, amalgamate all the books that were to be in the Bible. Um, um, and so the books that we have now are a watered down, a slightly watered down version. There were, there's, if any of you guys ever have a chance to get your hands on a book called The Lost Books of the Bible, do that because it will, it has all the original. Um, um, uh, there's books like the Book of Thomas that many people have never heard, the Book of Barnabas, the Gospel of Judas. Like there's books that that are that didn't make themselves uh, that that I should say that didn't find themselves in the Bible. From those translations in the Latin, we eventually arrived many years later with King James. Uh, with, uh, with, with the Kim's, King James Bible, but the Bible had existed in some form or the other, it, and and the the the, the Torah, the, the Torah and the and the prophets, which was the Jewish Bible, which had been in existence before the, the Council of Nicaea, that was already there, and that was which we now call the Old Testament, that was added to what we regard as the New Testament, right? But anyways, that that was all in existence long before King James, and it's just an English translation. 
Well, I mean, there was the apocrypher that, that was uh, involved in the, the Bible that was during the 1500s. They were using the apocrypher. The King James original 1611 came with the apocrypher. So that's 14 other books that you, you're you missing from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of uh, the New Testament. There's 400 years of uh, history missing. Um, yep. So when you talk about the King James, which one are you talking about? The 1700 where they took out the... The apocrypher, or are you talking about the 1600 that come with the uh, apocrypher the that, that tells you about the Greek captivity? The, the Bibles today, the King James Bible, you don't know anything about the Greek captivity, even though the Daniel talks about the four kingdoms. It goes from the Persian Mede captivity to the New Testament with the Roman. <laughs> Where does the Greek captivity? Where is that? Right. So, Can I ask a question? I, I don't know if you guys have heard where you're talking about there's other writings that are out there that can help but it doesn't uh doesn't mean that the the, the king james bible is false no I'm not, I'm not getting into the into the validity of it i'm just saying like th that that the structure of it had been put in place long before king james got to it he had to have had some template in order for him to translate something or have his scholars translate uh, what i was going to ask actually is how many of how many people know or have read the dead sea scrolls highly recommend yeah, yeah. I highly yeah. recommend it. Please do. Yeah. Absolutely. I won't spoil the story for you. Read it for yourself. <laughs> well, that, that's a different elephant in the room that we'll address is that we don't read as, as a people. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. But do you want, you want to mention what people are saying on the side? Um, so, yes, there's a lot of great conversation going on on, on the side. Um, so, we, so we have Tony. So Tony said the Catholics were the ones that were behind the Council of Nicaea and the Council of Trent. Mm -hmm. so, so like that that was and then you, you Lisa went on to say you wanted to invade our continent and when you invade a nation what tactics do you use one remove your religion two language three gods and etc and so they do the very very valid points and dre is basically saying that the dead sea scrolls are very great um um documents and tony has read it before but like see all, all these things see like we're not when it comes to books and like knowledge sharing, like as far as man, even all of us here, it's for me that like my experience is that everything is based on opinion. Honestly, like I could think a thought, put it into words, and write a book about it. And if, if it makes sense, if it basically it jives with what you're you're going through, you most likely would say, you know what, this guy's right. And if you repeat it often enough too, there is a chance that somewhere along the line, people are going to take my words as being factual. So. I'm saying that in the aspects of um, spirituality, the way I, I've experienced my spirituality, everything is almost hearsay until you experience it. Then, then for me, it becomes factual for me. Now, all these, uh, all these, what you call like, all these books that we're making reference to, these are based on people's supposed and, and, and alleged experience that they've um, occurred. Either somebody heard the voice of God talking to them, and then through the, their um, scribes had these words. Um, translated, and so behind, like, to kind of touch a bit on what Ulysses is saying, there's a motive behind like every human's um, uh, the, the agenda. Like why why they don't what they don't. So for me, what was King James's motive when he basically had his scribes write out his version, his version of the Bible, his version of God's word? Does anybody else want to grab the spot that's there? Um, but the, I didn't know if somebody was addressing no, that. No, no, no. Um, 
Dre, did you want to take that spot and address what Mike was asking? Uh, can you summarize that again? Sorry. Yeah, definitely. It's, like, it's the fact that we all look to these um, these books as um, moral compasses. And when you look at it in all reality, if they were written by a man, then it's like, the, is it not somebody's experience or is it not an opinion? Go ahead. Man. But look, when you say, because I hear this all the time and I never really get an opportunity to address it, right? Yes. But when people like to say that, the Bible is the moral compass, right? And to what comes along with that is look in the Bible and you'll learn how to live, right? Mm -hmm. look, at, look in the Bible and you'll learn what's right and wrong, right? Huh? The issue I have with that is according to the scriptures, uh, I want to be careful how I say this, right? But according mm -hmm. to the scriptures, it is impossible for man to, to, to learn the law of God and then follow it. The, the laws of God is not there to make man behave better and to make humanity great and perfect and, and, and grow and prosper. According to the scriptures, right? According to, to uh, uh, if you, like I said, check out Romans 9, Romans 11, the whole book of Romans and Hebrews talks about this. The law brings man to a point of calling out to God because he realizes his imperfections. Mm -hmm. what's happening now is and that's that's the issue that i have with religion and church it's like the churches kind of they they have this unquestioned unthought of you know unthought out uh uh uh, uh how do you say exterior or that like that's the reputation of being the good people you know that's not what it is because the the, the law of the law paul was saying how uh if, if man pays attention to the law, they'll realize they, they can't uphold the law, right? So now what happens is unholy people immediately hear that and they say, oh, well, that means you could do whatever you want to do. But Paul says, God forbid, that's not what it is. So just that whole phrase, or the, the thought of the Bible being a moral compass, I think that that's a bit of an overstatement. But I will say, I think that the Bible presents to you or to a person the notion of what is right and wrong. Not in a sense that, oh, learn it so that you can do right, because you can't. No, no one can, right? The scriptures themselves says any, any man who feels that they can be saved through the law, they are under a curse. You, you won't, the law of God won't, it'll make you aware of your sin, but it will not fix the problem. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And the real problem is that the wages of sin is death. Again, it all comes back to death, not being rich, not being married, not being happy, healthy, and wealthy, but actually living forever, right? And since no one is living forever, there's the evidence where no one is perfect. That's why so, so a big part of the story of Christ is not just what he taught, it's actually what happened to him, right? Because before, I wasn't always a Christian or a believer, and I just had issue with the, with the resurrection. It's like no one talks about the resurrection. They talk about the teachings, they talk about all these things, but the story of Christ is saying that this man did no wrong and because he did no wrong, he came back to life after death. Hmm. Because you understand that it's just, it's so much more to the story that, you know, these blanket terms. So I just wanted to address the moral compass. So go ahead. Uh, Dre, do you have any input um, to that? Hey, um, uh, well, I mean, as far as what Taylor was saying? Yeah. Well, I, if, I, if I could probably add to that, I think um, he brings in good points. And then there's a question of, um, is he who is he who he said he was, right? Mm. And so, um, 
when I read the when I read the book of Acts, I read the book of Acts like it's a historical document. Continue from the book of Luke, right? And um, uh, I said that, I mentioned this before about how uh, in the very beginning, um, even the the talk of Jesus was outlawed and uh, punishable by death, right? So um, I came to think to myself, either this is the greatest hoax in all the world, the greatest scam, or it's the truth. So, um, so let, let, let me explain, because some people are going to say, here he is trying to, to, to get people saved. I'm not. This is just for me. Listen, carefully. Um, uh, the report is that Jesus died. He rose again. He resurrected. He's no longer here. The also report is that there was witnesses to that. Okay. When I have conversations with people about this, I ask this question. If you were uh, on um, driving somewhere and you got into a car with a friend, the friend said, pull over by this bank. When he gets out the car, you see him put on a mask, takes out a gun, go in the bank, rob the bank, come outside and say, listen, here's some money. Don't ever tell nobody. Okay. Um, they they flash your, your, your picture on a camera on the street. And they find you and you get arrested. Okay. Uh, you know you're about to go to jail. Will you snitch? You're about to go to jail for the rest of your life. You love your life. You know what happened or you know the truth, right? What are you going to do? Most people in their right mind will say, listen, I had nothing to do with it. I didn't even know this person did it. Let's take a look at the the, the situation with Jesus and his disciples, right? Wow. Uh, he was with his disciples were witnesses to what Jesus did and what he said. Now, either Jesus never did those things mm. or he did. Mm. When confronted, um, uh, 11 out of the 12 disciples that witnessed what Jesus said, what was said about Jesus and uh, what was done by Jesus, they witnessed it. And each one of them, those that were in his in a circle, all died going to their death. Saying that what happened was true. Mm. Now, um, in, in my thinking, I'm like, okay, there had to be, if it wasn't true, at least one of them would have said, listen, I love my life. I got a wife, got a kid, all that stuff. Uh, Jesus was lying. Don't kill me. It was all a hoax. It was a get rich thing that, that, that we, we failed. We tried to get rich out of it. We wanted to manipulate people. Uh, we didn't know that you guys were going to chase us and try to kill us because of this. Like, we had no idea. But um, it's a lie. Please don't kill me. That didn't happen. In fact, all of them, in fact, the one that didn't die was exiled. So, and, and even after that, um, from that point of the Jesus recorded resurrection until it became the official religion in Rome, Christians were running for their lives, dying for the faith. So I had to, I had to reason that, that historical event and say, well, either these men were crazy for lying and dying for the lie, or it was the truth. So that was just sort of like a continuation of what Taylor was saying. Um, the the books in the Bible, um, the re, uh, now just a little bit of history, and this is based on what I learned in my studies. And this this is up for debate. I, I would appreciate the conversation because I may learn something. Um, the reason why the the books were canonized is because of the overall theme and the the trajectory of the books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So it, it, it wasn't just historical documents. There were connections made from each book that the scholars came and said, okay, we read this text. It seems to connect with this text. So let's put it together. And that's how ultimately became 
the canon. Um, there are other like, but the truth is there are other texts that were not included that should not uh, be disregarded as if it it's irrelevant. It's, it is it is relevant and it's good to read. Um, it's good for learning. It's good for referencing. Um, but when it comes to the canonized Bible and how we see it today, um, when the books were written, they were written by multiple authors over um, thousands of years. And it came together the way it is now because people got together. They said that these books follow the overall theme. And you're right. It may have been a motive there. The motive was probably we want to connect people with God. These books seem to do that. So let's include all these books in the Bible. Let's make this the religious document and let's spread it around the world saying that this is the Bible. Okay. But, um, yeah. okay. but, the, um, but the, the, the theme of the Bible is about a people. Oh, I was referencing from, uh, um, from. I'm sorry. Let me people. ask you to clarify that. And these people have a nationality, and, and they have a color uh, from Revelation. I think your um, your connection is bad because we're not able to hear you very well. Um, you can try again. Are you talking? To, you talking to me? Yeah, I was. But go ahead. We can hear you right now. No, I was just saying the, the Bible, I mean, you can look at all the, like when you look at uh, Psalms 83 and it talks about all these nations are, are coming into one accord to try to destroy the children of Israel. And the um, kingdom that was on earth also enslaved the children of Israel. Um, you would assume that uh, if God chose a people and then they go into slavery in every kingdom, that, that you would assume that these other nations know who the children of Israel are as well. Mm. And they would have their records. And they would manipulate those records, whoever was in power during that time, or even, or even share the doctrine that will make uh, that nation looks really good. But the theme of it, the what the uh, the prophets and what the, the Christ and the disciples look like is true. And so, like I said, all these different religions have their own doctrine mm -hmm. and the Bible has its own doctrine. Mm -hmm. And so both doctrines can't be true. If it's, we're talking about Christianity and the Bible, Bible goes against a lot of what Christianity and things we have, we're taught. To believe in so that's why it's important for us just to read the scriptures we just have to read the scriptures and not take on the uh the christianity doctrine due to the fact that it was given to us now in slavery as well that's, that's interesting because you have to believe that christianity also came with an image so if the image is false what else have they taught us that is false so, Damon, what do you mean exactly by the two different doctrines? If you can just clarify that for the listeners. You said scripture and Bible. No, I mean scripture and Bible, are, I'm saying that they are the same. But I'm saying Christianity has its own doctrine. So then, so if it's mean not outside of the books from uh, Matthew to Revelation? You say no, that, I'm talking about during the time when the Romans were in power and they were over wow. in Rome and Constantine. Uh, intertwined uh, Christianity with paganism. So mm -hmm. when you look at Christianity doctrine, look at all the uh, the celebrations that we take heed to. And then the Bible tells you in uh, Leviticus 23, he gave you holy days. 
to take heed to. We celebrate Easter, Christmas, and all these pagan holidays that the Bible doesn't even speak of. If anything, the Bible tells you not to partake in those, those days. So that's why I say the Bible has its own doctrine. And Christianity has its own doctrine. But Damn. in John 7, 38, it says, He that believeth in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly will flow rivers, rivers of living water. So, I'm going to believe not with my Christ. Okay, we just want to That's bring facts point. in to just make a point to what you're saying, Damon. He wants to speak to that. I just want to, it's just more of a comment. I, I, okay. I appreciate, I appreciate you putting out there the business of, of the the uh, connection between pagan holidays and pagan traditions, and and let's say uh, biblical precepts or beliefs, and one of the things that I love that I get amused about is in the Bible Jesus asked for some very specific things for his followers to do. Yet I've gone to church after church after church, and I don't see nobody washing nobody's feet, <laughs> but they're they're quite ready to talk about Christmas and and this that and the third, but the washing of feet. I never see that done. Why? Because you don't want to look at your sister so-and-so's bunion and, and, and corn? Okay, fine. But, but it's, really about humbling, it's really about humbling yourself. Yeah. It, it was, I, I, think, I just want to acknowledge people along the side um, who, may, who have made some comments. Um, go ahead. Okay, so uh, we have uh, Ulysses that wrote, as African, we gave the world the God concept. And uh, so as African, we get um, the world God concept. Um, the spirituality is an experience. It's your personal experience, not a community experience, if you understand what I'm trying to say. And, Rad? and then Rad said, faith is a personal thing and have lots of similarities. There are other cultures in the world, especially in the Far East, who have spiritual traditions and religions that have nothing to do with the Bible. And then, um, can't you say we have 25 minutes? And then uh, Ulysses says, the people that know that's the people that know that it's a lie have the control to suppress the truth. Roman Catholics, the Pope, you won't find out most people won't never find out. I'm sorry, he says, um, you won't find out what most people never find out. The lie sounds much better. So yeah, it's like, um, I mean, like, yeah, it, it, we believe in the lie more than we believe in the truth. The truth sounds foreign to us. Ignorance is bliss, right? Yes. And I mean, one of the one question that, that, that I want to ask as well, because like in acknowledgement of all walks of um of beliefs, like really, then I mean, what who is God? What is God? Like, if I'm basically like um, if they, what is God? Who is God? That's a big That's question a big to question. address. That's with ten elephant. minutes left of this whole yeah, yeah. thing, but it's clear we're gonna have to do this more than once. But we can try and tease it out a little bit till the end of the the podcast mm. because it's an important question as um taylor also has asked can i ask can i throw a question out for everybody because first off i don't think it's fair that we can't even see you bro i know right? you, you know what i mean the, the camera ain't big enough don't worry about it <laughs> but but here's the thing la has thrown this has, has, has woven this through the conversation a couple of times this whole business of uh, the connection between our spirituality and our Africanness, and mm -hmm. and how it influences our identity—is it—is it beneficial? Is it uh, detrimental, and so on? And I think the biggest thing that I think of when I think of religion, and and we didn't even talk about Islam, but that's the one that needs to be discussed. Mm -hmm. 
But um, one of the things that I think of is that as a, I had this conversation actually with a, a Nigerian girl the other night. Uh, you know, she said that in Nigeria, she never, you know, the whole notion of blackness is irrelevant. She's from her, her culture, her ethnicity, her group, her family's from a particular area. They have a certain experience. She said it was only when she came to North America that this whole idea of Africanness as in, in some sort of a derogatory term or meaning, and then blackness specifically was ascribed to her. So here's the question I have. Are these religions feeding our unity as a people amongst each other in a meaningful way? I see that regardless, let's take religion completely out of the discussion. There is a power struggle. Right now, what I'm looking at is with, with clear eyes, I'm looking at China recolonizing the continent. I'm looking at Europe continuing to manipulate and steal from the continent. I'm looking at an emerging uh, black middle class on the continent, or, or African, I should say, middle class on the continent, and a desire for connection between Africans in Africa and in the diaspora. I'm looking at the wealthiest continent on the planet with more arable land and natural resources and wealth in the ground to the tune of almost, from what I understand, $14 trillion conservative estimate. That's the entire, that's, that's raw, that, that would be the, the, the raw material cost. So we're talking upwards of multiples of that, hundreds of trillions of dollars of real wealth in the land and religions that are either pulling us together to take advantage of what we are material and, and, and human capital, right? Our inheritance, or they're, they're dividing us. So the question that we have to sort of ponder, I think is, what's the utility of this device we've been given? Is it helping mm -hmm. us to pull together, to take advantage or be taken advantage of? Mm -hmm. Wow. It depends on what tool you're talking about. There's a lot of tools that, been, that destroyed us. <laughs> no, I, I recognize that, but I'm saying, I'm saying this, again, this is, <laughs> we're, we're done. We're done. Drop it, drop it. Just drop the mic. It's, it's over. It's been real, guys. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a whole new show, all the tools that, 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 that destroyed us. <laughs> Anika, truer words have never been spoken. Facts. She said, we have multi-millionaire um, black churches, but where are our banks? Facts. Rad saying, who is God? Dang, laugh out loud. God is what, whatever spirit and energy moves you. Mm -hmm. And the forest gives you comfort, peace, and strength. Where's our hospitals, Kinte saying? Mm -hmm. And this is kind of where these conversations are supposed to move us towards. Because while we can talk about these things and justify history in all kinds of different ways, we need to come up with how are we going to get to where we need to get to? Mm -hmm. um, and what are the solutions that we can put in place to get there? And if we have these divisions, we're less likely to, to get to where we need to get to as a people. Um, so I, unfortunately it is 447 and we have maybe about I don't know, 12 minutes left in the room. Uh, the that's, why the, that's, that's why the Most High says the law is pure. The law is spiritual. The law is true. We got to come back to the law. That's all. Okay. Come back to the law. Come back to the law. Not the practical side of that. Yeah. We're going to take up these questions and more in a live to air from University of Toronto on March the 1st. We're going to have our first town hall and you'll be able to um, sign in here mm -hmm. and watch and take part in the co in the conversation um we'll probably end up after have to have an after room because people clearly have so much more to say mm -hmm. um thank you dre 
And I just want to say thank you to everybody in the room. Kinte, I know if you could just shout out the people on Periscope who I'm sure have had a lot to say, but we haven't been able to see what they're saying. And um, there's a lot of people talking. Yeah, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to set it up where you can, um, in my square at least, you'll be able to see their comments uh, real time. Because a lot of times they're, they're reacting to... Uh, what's being said in the moment so uh to to kind of go back sometimes it, it'll uh, it takes away from it i feel you right but is yes currently we have uh, nine people on and uh they seem to be very into the conversation unfortunately i accidentally hit refresh and i lost what they were saying but uh <laughs> I, I see lewis too just popped in too but um i have to say this was a great conversation i really enjoyed just listening to it uh sometimes you know it's good just to listen to it and we don't have these conversations often enough and uh so uh kudos to everybody that participated and uh you know and no one got cussed out <laughs> no and that's that's so cool because you know this is your religious beliefs are very sacred to to you right and so that's why sometimes you can't have the conversation because it cuts so deep to the core of who you are that you don't always have an you know you don't there's no room for for uh actually thoughtful conversation sometimes and i, right. I really felt like this conversation was really good and uh we got to talk about a lot of different things from different aspects so i i really appreciate that and people were really into this we have to do this again uh, we will have some, to do this some... again and we will i just want to give our handle so that you can follow us on our social media we have an instagram site for the elephant room it's called at the elephant room tv mm-hmm. my personal uh twitter is at la wade six and on instagram my personal is at this is la wade and uh, mike uh, mine is at Mike underscore truth. So that's Mike spelled M-I-C underscore R-U-T-H. And uh, we're just going to put that into the, um, the comment section. And yeah, guys, like, let's let's keep the conversation going. Like, like, like Because that's the whole point of the elephant to talk about these unspoken topics and taboo things and make all of us together so we can um, further... You know, like merge, bridge that the gaps that that's occurring in our communities. Yeah, is and, anyone else and gonna I, give a shout out to and, their own handles? And I, I, I gotta call you guys out. You guys are like uh, drug dealers. You're gonna start these conversations and then you're gonna go away. Uh, <laughs> so, We're not going anywhere. So yeah, I gotta. We gotta call out the elephant room a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah, but did anyone else want to share their handle and we could all yeah. you know, follow each other and support one another in what we're doing? This mm-hmm. is essentially a black business, mm-hmm. so feel fair to share that this mm-hmm. is something that we're doing. And I think it's an important conversation that we have, not just this conversation, mm-hmm. but a lot of the conversations we have in the room. Mm-hmm. So go ahead, Dre, you can add. My handle is Damon Allen 9 on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Damon Allen 9, all one word. There we go. It's in the comments. Uh, Dre? Mine is uh, Andre D. Harrison uh, on Twitter. Andre underscore D underscore Harrison on Instagram. And on YouTube, just search Harrison Family Vlogs. Harrison Family Vlogs. That sounds interesting. What's that about? Just me and my kids living life uh, from a perspective of a single father. I love it. I love it. I love it. And Kinte? 
Yes, uh, you can follow me at Kente F, that's K-I-N-T-E-F on Twitter. And you can also get me um, at Kente Ferguson on uh, Instagram. That's K-I-N-T-E-F-E-R-G-E-R-S-O-N. And of course, the website is IndieRadio.org. That's I-N-D-Y Radio.org. And uh, we're not going to be on tomorrow night for Mars Venus. We will be on Tuesday night uh, doing our next program. So, uh, Mars Venus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tuesday night, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern. But our regular nights are Monday nights. Nice. What's up, Lewis? I see Lewis in the chat. (laughs) So we're going to stop the broadcast. It doesn't mean you get kicked out of the room. But um, we're going to stop the broadcast now and feel free to be a part of the after room or after party here. Mm -hmm. Um, Hervey, what's up? Mm -hmm. Um, It was great. It was really great. Thank you 